0: I'm Father Dennis Strack.
1: And I'm Katie Prejean McGrady. And this is Ave Spotlight. How are you doing, Chanel?
2: Great, great. Just chilling here, just finished watering my plants.
1: I've been following your Instagram plant mom stories. Uh, Why plants? Like, where did that come from?
2: You know, I I don't know. I figured I like, I like having living things in my room, um, but I don't know if I can commit to like an animal. Um, (laughs) Low maintenance. Yeah. So these things are like nice and I see them grow every day. And, um, yeah, and so it's, like, nice, you know, and it kind of sets the tone in my room, you know. But I have turned into a little bit of of an insane plant lady.
1: Yeah, you know, I've heard there's, like, once you go plants, there's no going back. Like, you are committed. A friend of mine back in Lake Charles literally converted an entire room in her home to, like, her plant sanctuary over COVID. Because, like, and it started with one succulent, and it became – a safari garden. Um, Yep.
2: This one pretty much started with that big one, then those three, then this one. Oh my gosh,
1: there's a lot in there. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, then those three. It's pretty insane. And uh, my roommates definitely are like, I definitely they were i came home the other day with that one and they were like you definitely have a problem so you know slow things i'll confront that another time so
1: well i mean this is kind of the perfect like we're going to use that if you're okay with that like where is this room and who are these roommates and and who are we talking to besides a plant hoarder in philadelphia <laughs>
2: <laughs> well um so i live yeah in philadelphia um i My roommates are two of my friends from college and then one um, girl who like works with um, one of my friends from college. So, um, yeah, so we all live here, all three of us in this house. And um, yeah, and I work at a restaurant currently in Philadelphia. We're Asian food with a Philly twist, um, mm-hmm. which is, just means we serve like Philly cheesesteak egg rolls, which sounds more <laughs> glamorous though when I say it the first way. And um, and yeah, and I'm currently saving up money to go to grad school yeah. next semester. So, and yeah, and that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And what do you want to study in grad school?
2: Um, I'd like to study for my master's in marriage and family counseling. So I'm very excited to hopefully we get going soon.
1: Yeah. Well, it's great to have you on the show. We're so excited. I of course know you, Father Dennis. He was like, I need to know who she is and what she's doing and, and where she is in the world. Um, and we're so excited to talk to you today about, I think a topic that's really important. Um, you know, we want to address again, the, the issues of racism in our country, even racism's in our, our I say racism in our church. Um, and how to respond to it, like a Catholic response, a, a human response. And I think Father had a, a great opening question to just kind of give you some space to, to process and to talk.
0: Sure. Sean, yeah, I was just really curious, I mean, just from your own story, maybe experiences of racism that you've encountered, but and in particular, how that's affected your faith or how, how does that, when you go back to God or you talk to God about those experiences, how that's maybe um, shaped your image of God, um, mm. maybe what you hear him say back to your heart.
2: Um, mm. Gotcha. I think for me, um, the thing that I encounter the most is usually, um, that I'm a child of God and we're all just children of God. And it has really nothing to do with what I look like, um, or what my culture is. And we're all just children of God. And I think that was really hard for me to wrestle with, um, because my culture is so important to me and my skin tone and all of those things. And I feel like If we're talking about the creativity of God, then we're kind of dissing him by saying that we're not going to acknowledge, you know, what you look like and where you come from. So, um, yeah, so I think that's probably what I encounter the most is people acknowledge my gifts, but not like who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think with the way that I talk to God, it definitely has fractured my faith a lot, um, because I felt like it seems like at times it would it would be much easier to just not be black um, at many times, whether I was at conferences or at retreats, um, because it kind of made me feel a little polarized um, when I was asked to be involved in certain things. Um, and so it kind of made my relationship with God a little bit, I was a little resentful. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I just felt like he, I just felt like he wasn't, looking out for me because things just seemed extra hard for me. Um, yeah. And so it was, it was, it was kind of hard, but I mean, now moving forward, I guess it's still, I still have those moments, but I think the more I've acknowledged the creativity of God and my, my blackness being a gift, I think our, our engagement is less, you know, contentious. So yeah. on my end, because, you know, God's not that way. So,
1: well, cause it's, it's got to be exhausting. I mean, I want to acknowledge that, yeah. like to walk through the world and to see the, the most recent, um, black man shot by a cop and, and it's on the news and the video's gone viral and people are talking about it. And you want it to be talked about. We all want it to be talked about because it's a systemic problem and issue, but then that there's a great emotional labor that has to then be done to process and to see that. I mean, that has to, and I just want to give you more space, even if you'd like to like that, that really just has to be exhausting and tiring.
2: Yeah, it is. And I think in the beginning, especially in the beginning of this quarantine, it was like, I mean, those things are exhausting. But I kind of felt like, oh, well, you know, that's just the world. And it, it's like the world and we all have struggles in the world. And like, this is definitely injustices, we need to fight for et cetera, et cetera. And I think once it started becoming like, oh, wow, these are you know, Catholic people I follow are like, oh, you know, why are priests afraid to say things? And like, why are, why are like priests asking me what to say? Like, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I wasn't trained in formation, like, you know, or like, why are bishops afraid? Or why does it have to be this grandiose statement? And it should really just be like, hey, man, um, hey, these like people are important the same way these people are important and these right. people are important. And right now, maybe we should put the spotlight on me. So I think the exhausting thing is definitely feeling – one of them is definitely feeling like you show up to a church your whole life, right, and I, like, make a conscious choice, especially in my family where I'm, like, the only Catholic one. To, I make a conscious decision every day to be like, all right, I'm Catholic. Like, I'm going to Mass, every holiday when i go home i make a decision to be like all right it's sunday i'm going to go to mass and sit by myself or like it's christmas and i'm going to go alone and i and i show up because i know that god is it and i know that my faith is important to me but i think to feel like people are unsure of my part it just feels like a like a slap in the face a little bit you know mm-hmm. and it can feel tiring cuz you're like wait a minute i've done I've showed up at all the conferences. I prayed at the same clinic. Like, I've done the same thing, but done. And I just, I don't know why it's so hard, you know? Um, mm. Yeah. And so I, I think that's, I think that's really hard. And like, with all the sincerity that people have by being like, what can I do? And and I, it just kind of feels like, it, it just feels like you're living in a simulation of like, I don't know if I'm this figurative being that exists that now I have to teach people how to interact with me. Um, and it just feels silly almost that I'm instructing people as to how to engage with me who I just wake up every day and brush my hair and like watch
0: the office. I really identify with that comment, especially about ministry. You were saying like people feel weird about saying anything. And it is kind of curious because to your earlier point, like even, even, um, Racism isn't just like a black and white issue. I mean, even within the black community, there are instances where like, it, it doesn't stop mm-hmm. there, right? I mean, I, I, was, um, I worked at a, a parish in Austin, Texas, and so even even the community I was working with in the Hispanic community, you see the same thing. Amongst the community, there's issues of, of racism where um, mm-hmm. you're not, you know, you're, you're, your English is too good or it's not good enough, or you're too black or you're not oh, enough. Yes. Um, so I, I want to go back to something in light of that, something you said earlier that helped you move through and, and maybe, like you said, continuing to move through accepting uh, your identity and your belovedness from God. Um, it, it, this issue and, and, and our communion together tells us something about God. Um, it tells us something about why he's created us and what he's moving, moving us toward. Um, maybe speak a little bit about that um, in terms of why the church should care about this in terms of why people shouldn't be afraid to say anything. Um, mm because uh, it, it tells us something about the Lord, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, so I think it's I think it's interesting to me lately to think about like I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, how cool is it? But every February, every Catholic on Instagram posts tons of cool drawings of all these black saints that we've never heard of. Like, it's so cool. And every February it's like, it's like an extended Christmas. And I love going on Instagram. Cause I just feel like people love us. Like we're so great. You know, we, um, we're creative and like we're and like, you know, our masses are cool and everything is just so interesting. Um, and there's such like a deep love for, Um, Like black culture and, and it's interesting because it's like, I, I've been struggling with the idea that creativity of God is limited to one time, or one sequence of weeks, you know, like one month in February, this is when we kind of talk about this. And then Hispanics get like two weeks, and then Native Americans get like a couple days. And then this is kind of when we talk about it. And then every other time it's threatening to um like all the Italian Americans or all the Italian saints that exist. And in a way, it's interesting because I'm like, I don't know, if we're acknowledging how cool these people are in this time, like, it's okay to just make that all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and I, and it's not just, like, an acknowledgement of the one, like, oh, St. Josephine Baquita was so strong, and isn't that cool? And that's it. And then let's talk about her next year. But it's like, oh, she was so strong and cool, and she should actually be in our youth ministry programs and she should be a saint in our sanctuaries and we should, you know, talk about what St. Augustine really looked like. And it should be all of these conversations that should just be happening. Um, I think it's like an integration Mm -hmm. that only happens in a certain amount of time. Whereas like um, now that we're here, it can seem to a lot of people like a forced integration, like it's a threat to everything else that exists. Whereas like we would have just been being normal, I'm like I don't understand, and so yeah, so it is really interesting. I think God, God has designed us also uniquely, and that's dope. Um, but I do think we've been just feeling really comfortable with uniqueness during a time, mm-hmm. um, or like if it benefits a conversation or um, a mission trip or like a liturgical celebration and if it's like cool and then otherwise it's just not really something that we want to talk about
1: yeah well because this really interesting thing happened in May with the tragedy Mm -hmm. of of George Floyd and then all of a sudden there was this like we must respond we must show we care and I you know in conversations with with my black and brown friends I acknowledged them I was like I I feel terrible that I did not acknowledge or think about these things before. And I'm grateful that it's now in the fore. but I also need to process like, why was I uncomfortable maybe doing that beforehand? Is that my fragility? Like it is, that's my white fragility. And I need to acknowledge that. And I think we see that in, and sometimes even in the church, like you said, there are people that are scared to say black lives matter. There are people that are scared to acknowledge systemic racism is real because it, it, then it calls out systems that have to be changed. It calls out fragility. it, it acknowledges that there's a pain that I need to help heal um, and should take responsibility for maybe even ways that I've caused harm. And, and I know that I mean we, we don't have the time in this particular episode to, to fully dive into that phrase that seems to be the hang up for so many people. But you shared something on your Instagram that deeply moved me. About it's not just that black lives matter, it's that black lives are sacred. And you really unpacked that. So can you tell us a little bit about where that phraseology came from in your mind and why you wanted that to be the thing that you really, really honed in on to to help people understand?
2: Sure. So I was talking with one of my friends after after a like terrible couple weeks of just feeling really I, I went to a mass and the priest kind of glazed over social issues and then asked us to, you know, and then talked about homelessness for like four hours and whatever. And which is also cool, but it, it just kind of made us made black people in the congregation feel like we were complaining. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, so it was just a terrible couple weeks and I was talking to a friend and I was like, why don't people just say like black lives matter. The phrase existed before the organization. It's okay. Like, it's all right. It's not like, I'm asking you to blood oath into the organization. Um, And he was like, you know, actually, one of my priest friends was saying, like, Black lives are sacred, right? All lives are sacred, and we acknowledge that. And he was like, Mattering should be the minimum. And Mm -hmm. I was so shook. I was like, wow, you're right. Mattering should be the minimum because if I were to walk up to somebody and be and a new baby and be like, wow, your baby is like, your baby's all right. And they'd be like, no, my baby is great. What are you talking about? My baby is unique. It's like sacred. It's beloved. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. And so I think, For two reasons. Like one, the phrase Black Lives Matter has really hung people up. And my opinion is, is that it's just for people to not even acknowledge the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. so they get hung up on this one thing. So they don't actually have to confront the fact that there's horrible things happening. Um, So then the constant conversation is why Black Lives Matter organization is horrible. Um, But then secondly, it really is, I think, important to acknowledge that, like, mattering is such a minimalist way to think about a person, Um, especially when we're talking about something that's created in the image and likeness of God. We should really be talking about sacredness and the fact that we were breathed, like, God breathed life into us. We're not just like something that exists just to matter, you know, just like, I don't know, my ice cream in the fridge matters to me sometimes. And so it's just, so I, yeah. So I really have just been trying to say that more, um, for, you know, for the two reasons to make people feel more comfortable. Um, and then to also just say like, Hey, you know, if we're talking about black and Brown people, let's not just say like we matter anymore and we're just, and then you're just going to keep going on with your normal Instagram life or whatever but it's like our lives are sacred because we were created by God in the same way that you are. Um, And so if we start seeing it from that lens, it'll become less of this political scare tactic and more of this like, wow, you know, Hey, you know, black and brown people are actually super important in the same way that like my grandmother's important in the same way that my kid's important, you know, and we'll stop dividing us into this like um, partisan issue. So that's why I, I, I really think it's important to start saying that, um, because it kind of, it expands on that phrase and helps people to understand that we're just, we're not just fighting for like, um, you know, so we could have more jobs at your workspace, but it's because we're just really, there's injustices all over that need to be corrected. You know,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: great. I love this. It's keep going. You want
1: to, you can take over the show.
0: (laughs) everybody, but your insights into like, because it, 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 again, it tells us something about God. It tells us something, it's something profound about each of us, but it, it points back to him, no? And, and why this ma- should matter to the church, why this should yeah. matter to each of us. That says something profound about the love of God and uh, and his great love of us.
1: Like I, I'm just going to sit with it for a second because I, I, knew, I read the post, I saw all the things in your story, but hearing it from you and knowing like this was the, like mattering is the minimum. And framing it that way, like, like you said, maybe it makes it more palatable to people, but it also challenges, it challenges, I'm about to have a baby, like, yeah, you better tell me my baby's sacred or I'm going to smack you upside the head, like, Mm -hmm. and that should apply to every individual that I encounter not just regardless of skin color but because of who you are because of your skin. sister josephine exactly. said in our our um, anti-racism podcast i've explored she was like i like my skin color and i want people to acknowledge and father josh goes my melanin and, and they, they kind of had this moment where i was like that's something that we cannot run from or hide um at the end of every episode chanel we ask our guest and then we share as well what uh, a reason for our hope might be in this particular week, in this particular moment, maybe based off this conversation. So Chanel, why do you have hope this week? Oh,
2: I have hope this week because I just remind myself every morning that Jesus has conquered the world and that we'll be all right. And even when things are horrible, um, that Jesus has conquered the world. And you know, and he's conquered sin and death. So at the end of the day, like he'll be all right. And you know He loves me, and he loves my brown skin. And so we're all going to be okay. Amen.
1: Father, what do you hope for?
0: Uh, I'm about to embark on a trip to Cathedral High School in Indianapolis this weekend. Talk to the young men about vocations. And uh, I think a hope that I have springing from this conversation is just the belovedness that um, uh, how beloved we are by God. And really being holy isn't being something you aren't. It's like anchoring and anchoring into, um, delving into how God has made you. And when you can be true to how God has made you, that is when you're most holy. And I hope they hear that message, not so they just become a priest or just become a brother in the Holy Cross, all of that, be good. <laughs> but, but it really is, it's what Chanel was talking about. It's um, being comfortable in your own skin to know um, your belovedness, your gifts, and even your crosses and your weaknesses in some way. Um, when you know that when God looks at you, he loves every, every piece of you, uh, every element of your life, uh, and saves you and forgives you anyway, uh, when we can really tap into and acknowledge that, uh, that's when we can have most freedom to, to be who God has made us to be and be seen. Uh, I hope they hear that this weekend. That's my hope. Yeah,
1: My hope is that uh, as hurricane recovery efforts continue in southwest Louisiana, there's a lot of national organizations that are coming in and providing much-needed help for some of our more economically depressed areas. Um, where some of our minority communities live in the town, which were very much overlooked in kind of the initial couple of days and weeks of recovery. Um, and there's a, a great organization that's come into town that is is starting to provide free roofing, which... You don't realize how expensive a roof is until the adjuster comes out and says, yeah, that's a $20,000 roof and we're going to pay you $15,000 for it. And there's some people like that would just wipe out their life savings. Um, And so this organization's coming in and they're assessing the situation and they're providing either free roofing or helping people pay their deductibles. And that's just, I just have a lot of hope that this organization found the city of Lake Charles and that these private donors said, we want to help a specific population. That needs the help. That's not going to get it because they're not going to get the signal boost. So it, it, it was, it's kind of, it's relevant to what we've been talking about. It was kind of like, oh, this is a fight against racism. Like they're helping a group of people that would have been forgotten. Um, so I have a lot of hope for that. Like just, it's just, it's given me some great hope. So Chanel, where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Where can we learn more about you? Oh, okay.
2: Um, so you can find me and more information about my plant children on Chanel. <laughs> Just kidding, but for real, um, <laughs> Chanel underscore K um, on
1: Instagram. So awesome. and we'll link that down in the show notes. you can you can handle a pet. Okay. So I know, yeah, there's I know like that, ten plants in there. You can. I know there's actually
2: fourteen, and I saw <laughs>
0: one. In there's actually fourteen.
2: That was my like overshoot. Like oh that that'll be an exact four. I mean, Katie, if you're gonna talk about my children, you should be correct. I wrote to so That's, that's true. Okay. Well,
1: I mean, yeah. I can only handle two living human beings. So I commend you on the fourteen <laughs> things in your house. My husband Thank takes a dog. I don't even look at him. Five <laughs> <gonna> <laughs> plants behind, and you're like, well, actually, they're okay. Yeah. They're over here, they're over here. There's a kid back there. I didn't see. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming, Chanel. Thanks, y'all.
2: Have a great day.
1: Ave Spotlight is a podcast from Ave Maria Press. You can find all of our episodes over at AveMariaPress.com. Click on the free resources button and you'll find our webpage, as well as subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Since this is a fairly new podcast, we are hopeful and and grateful um, for reviews that our listeners will give it to help more folks find the show um, and listen to these Monday morning conversations between uh, a priest and a mom about what's going on in the world and talk topics relevant to faithful everyday Catholics. You can also find our other Ave Maria Press podcast, Ave Explores, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as the Ave Maria Press website. As always, we're grateful for all that you do and how you support Ave Maria Press, especially by listening to these shows that we are creating. We hope you have a great week.